Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Flow Aligned Podcast. Of course, we're here once again with another great episode. I'm Sumit Chatterjee. I'm a flow state coach who helps you feel better and perform better. On the other side, we have Ryan Gafur Khan, who's a data aligned consultant here to help you with your business processes so you make more money. All and... about the money, money, money. <laughs> Ka-ching. And so today we're going to be talking about stereotypes, culture, you know, spirit animals, how to heal the boy inside, how to, you know, go against the, you know, typecasting of society and just follow your own inner truth. So what have you got on this topic, brother? Too much, man, too much. So let's start about culture and stereotypes. Now, I truly believe that it is false a Dutch saying <clears throat> on he who does not know his own culture is not worth the other. And the more I look into, you know, becoming a leader, the more I, of course, with every introduction, with every new appointment and whatever, you start to realize that even though I don't completely agree with, let's say, the Indian culture, I still carry its mannerisms, meaning the positivity of it, meaning in the way I treat myself, in the way I treat my parents, in the way I treat my customers. And the more you start to realize the importance of uh, surface within our Indian culture, so to speak, and I'm very sure that per district and state within India is this like a huge difference, but we have a general Indian culture, I assume there's a continuous focus on to be of service to the world, to be of service to our community, to our parents. However, what's the point I'm also going for is where there's positive stereotypes, as touched on in your book, TPM, Teotropicity Medit. I had to say it a lot of times so that I won't forget how you say it. But where there are positive, there's also negative. See, you know, Raj from the Big Bang Theory. I absolutely loathe that character. Well, the guy in real life is one of the coolest motherfuckers you will ever meet. It makes me wonder why such characters are being propagated. I mean, inevitably, of course I watched it. The show in and of itself is fun. It's a light tongue to it, but there's a reason why it's called TV programming. Me, as a daily consultant, I also work as a, you know, a uh, SQL programmer and R and Python, whatever. And <clears throat> the idea of programming is nothing more than creating a game, a system that does a very specific job, meaning, this is the activity that I want you to do, and it helps the hardware do it. And if you look at the idea of TV programming, the more I realize that, wait a minute, do I want to become rushed? And the answer is maybe his intellect at most, but I don't want to be Raj. Fuck that. I want to be the villainous in the Big Bang Theory that fucked Penny and whatever. That's fantastic from the perspective of a survival. And thus, I pass the ball back to Sumit with the question of, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, man, I've always hated that character, Raj, because specifically because it just reflects a lot of uh, timidity in Indian culture of like not being able to be okay with sexuality. And there's a shame around sexuality and like a taboo around the culture of just being very open and promiscuous and like just being able to show that I have a desire for a woman, right? And so that selective mutism is what he had. It, it sort of sounds like a disease, right? <laughs> like selective mutism. But basically he couldn't speak to very attractive women, right? That that was his condition. So condition, of course, happens from conditioning in a sense. So your conditions are created from your conditioning. So it's a very important to recognize what you said about programming, man. I really agree with the idea that Hollywood has this archetype of the Indian male, and it's very difficult to break that norm unless you're really, really going for a specific character. I remember the example of like Kumail Nanjiani before his body transformation, right? He had a, he got six pack and all, he looks different, right? But before that, all the roles that he used to get were like these really nerdy roles, right? He was on Silicon Valley, as you know, that a, a Pakistani guy on there. So it's just important to recognize that that nerdy, very um, socially awkward character is there. And that really affected me growing up because I did not have any positive Indian role models to look to and be guided by in a sense, right? So all my references were this, this shy Indian guy. And so I played into that stereotype or that role. When I started to get more conscious growing up, I started to notice, wait a minute, this is actually taking my power away from me. And so I started to look for positive Indian examples and archetypes, like for instance, the, the yogi or the guru, which is such a powerful, empowering image. Everybody likes that image, you know, uh, of having someone of wisdom give you advice and this, the whole guru culture. Of course, there's a lot of scandals and, you know, repressed uh, taboo around that subject too, However, there are definitely positive attributes to the fact that a guru is someone who helps someone uh, evolve. And I think that that really um, put more of a crystallization on my, on my vision of who I wanted to see myself as rather than this kind of nerdy IT character with the, again, with the, with the Indian accent and the voice, right? Which is one of the most unattractive accents one could argue like, and, and the head bob, right? As Ryan's doing right now, right? It's, <laughs> and Apu, I mean, had, had a very, very big role to play in terms of Apu from The Simpsons, right? That character, I remember, thank you, come again, right? That, that character of him, this is not a lending library, you know, buy something or get out. Like that character of the person who's really annoyed in the store, you know, people have a reference point of that, you know? And, and so it's really important to consider that, okay, Yes, there are aspects in American society where Indians are doing those kinds of roles or those jobs, um, like IT, like the Quickie Mart employee or whatever, 7-Eleven, right? Like uh, the different, you know, roles that Indians are, a lot, a lot of them are doctors, right? Going into medical fields or lawyers or like uh, engineers and things like that. So the STEM fields, and, and it's really important to understand that there are other examples of that. And that does not have to be the reality of it. Because, man, India is, is one of the biggest populations on the planet. The fact that you could generalize and say that all Indians are like this is kind of ridiculous to me. You know what I mean? That, like, that's kind of my idea of it. It's like, it's such a vast place. 
how can you possibly say the Indian is all yo Indians are only this Indians only eat curry Indians only it's we, you see we generalize these understandings because we don't know any better it, it comes from ignorance right a lot of racism or these things come from ignorance they don't know enough about the culture to speak about it or understand it so once we start learning more about it like as i started to learn more about my hindu culture and like where i came from and now i'm back in india like really exploring my roots i started to see man you know there's some cool shit out here to really learn from you know i see positive examples like swami vivekananda who's like a hindu monk who went out into chicago and told everybody like we are all one and you know we're all connected like a Hindu monk, usually they, they don't speak about these topics in such a masculine way, right? So he went up and he was like, yo, this is how it's done. This is how it, we are all connected. This is my idea. I have values, I have principles, I have ethics, you know, and he really said it and he really set that frame out there. And I think the issue with a lot of the programming in Indian society is like the reputation is really important. Secondly, the self-sacrificing nature, right, of like, oh, I have to give up this in order for my parents to like me or whatever, right? It's this, it's this compromising nature, whereas a lot of masculine frame energies like uncompromising in their values and ethics. And of course that is there in society. Take for example, the caste system, right? It's like, okay, levels, there's levels to this, right? But at the same time, there is a lack of um, decision-making and a lack of being able to understand that there is this room for ego improvement and, and growth. Like there is this sense of egolessness through spirituality in Indian culture, but then you start to talk to certain people and they're like, they act like their shit don't stink, you know? And, and I, it's like, it's really confusing because it's such a vast culture and there's so many different, you know, every single state of India is like a different country, you could say. However, at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's what I've noticed within myself. Uh, learn more about it to be able to really expand that archetype forward and look for positive examples. We were talking about the movie with Amir Khan, how he's so badass, he's looking at his tattoos. It's like the Indian version of Memento, right? I forgot what the movie is called. Um, but yeah, there are examples of badass uh, Indian men out there. It's just, we have to seek it out in a sense. And it's, uh, we have to really start to erase those examples that there are only these types out there and start to stop generalizing. Yeah. Well, let me hook on that point that you made. One, for those who don't know, I also do a podcast with Pete Kirkwoods from New Zealand. It's called the Hero Podcast uh, 64. Uh, we had a discussion after a podcast about this specific topic and the challenges and differences between the stereotypes. I mean, the modern, let's say, white man, white male, is seeing um, that their heroes are losing their balls. While we've already been through that process, but in a very different way, we are now basically, you know, animals rediscovering our power, and they are losing sight on no what were the ideal men in the here and in the past now you hit on a lot of things that made me go ah oh, yeah i remember that i i i seen that happen i seen that happen because as before 
uh, we started a podcast we during our warm-up session it had to do with you know it should be the strongest possible frame meaning if something is true it it will inevitably remove the ob uh, the obstacle in the way or give you the strength to push through it and this is what i believe is a true teaching that's being given by whatever entity or or etc now yes i can easily be pissed off about the fact that indians are being stereotyped as such however there's even a positive argument to be made on it's probably started with good intentions and of course it's been diluted to the point of abomination of an abomination for instance let's say you have a poor family and the only way you know how to survive is to serve a bigger richer family which means generation after generation your reputation in your servitude is extremely important so that's if you take that idea of you know servitude towards the world and you make it negative to the point of i'm sacrificing my life my family my my own well-being for the well-being of another no longer is that heroic that's delusional to the biggest degree because anything that takes away your power is an enemy anything that stands between you and your survival especially your own survival needs to be cleaned the fuck up and that's what we're arguing really arguing we cannot stand against the bollywood scene neither should we stand against the bollywood scene but what i will say if anyone wants to get a lesson from this podcast is if there is a negative association with you your culture whatever bro who cares you choose whether you accept the assumption because that's all it is ignorance this usually comes from i assume he's like that people assume because i have a beard i am a terrorist blah blah i've, I've heard all of that oh you have a beard you're from my college blah blah yeah right bro okay bro continue on even my own family now what i'm really trying to say is it is in your power to decide what empowers you so why would you accept you know the stereotype of you know the shy it guy why not be an it rock star hell even a pool is is a way better better role model than raj because he's about his shit i might not agree with his welcome to the cookie mart i don't completely agree with that but if you look at what he's doing he is providing a fantastic service to his community because without him homer simpson our main lead will not be able to get the stuff that he needs there's like literally no other supermarket unless there's a mega store that's it a pool is literally the local and the fact that they canceled him and let's look at cancel culture for a second i found it hilarious that they decided to cancel dr seuss i didn't know it was racist here's the joke 
I didn't even know it was about race. I just thought you have this pointy nose bastards that just decided to hate on the Grinch or this kid in the head motherfucker, which somehow makes me think, oh my God, Dr. Seuss was talking about furries and it's hilarious. You know, furies that save the day because Grinch in his own way is kind of a furry. Now, I'm not making a joke about furry. It's just, I'm calling up the absurdity of the situation. And I will say this, fine, Pippi Le Pew is kind of rapey. However, however, and I might get burned for this, but fuck it. I cannot deny why he's so funny. And I think Dave Chappelle said it best. When we were younger, we found it hilarious because it's the relentless force of sexuality, the, the, the exact opposite of what you would call a typical Indian. Like Pepe Le Pew is so accepting of his sexuality, so absolutely accepting that even though he's not pushing his sexuality down your throat, which a lot of people can learn from. Hint, hint. Um, what he's really doing is embracing the fact that he is. Because imagine if he would follow, you know, the the the, the shy stereotype of India. Not only would it not be funny, I wouldn't be able to stand watching it. It it would be like a a, a lessening of an art. Because literally, Pepe Le Pew is in and of itself that sleazy bastard, but in a very artful form. It's like, surprisingly, Johnny Bravo and Pepe Le Pew. I was just thinking of him, bro, when you said that. Because it's like such a great example of this, uh, this guy who's so uh, run by his id, right? His desire. And it, it's just this example of like, the whole romanticism uh, phase of society, you know, how everybody became interested in poetry and art, but then this Pepe Le Pew character, I mean, he really takes that French stereotype of the Louvre forward to the point where it's just ridiculous and like it, it crosses a certain boundary, right? Of like following- It crosses some, many boundaries. Stalking people, you know, and all this kind of stuff, which is clearly a crime. But as children, we don't really make that, you know, assumption watching it. So again, we sort of laugh at it and accept it. I thought Johnny Bravo was hilarious, but I didn't understand the jokes much until I grew <laughs> older, you know? So, and, and what you said about, you know, Apu, I think there is something very empowering about using that as kind of a base and then being able to transmute that into your own power. I remember growing up as a teenager watching um, Harold and Kumar, right, from uh, Escape from Guantanamo Bay and like the White Castle, right? So all those, uh, you know, that whole trilogy, that series was, was incredible. And for me, I found something so deeply inspiring as an Indian man when I saw, you know, Kumar uh, taking the, the truck from those extreme guys in the store and saying, thank you, come again, and flipping him off with the middle finger. I mean, I found so much joy in that one scene in that one moment because, you know, I've had racist remarks and bullies and things like that, you know, in my past. So that one scene kind of, you know, um, epitomized my feelings 
in that one moment, but he did it in such an artful way in which he used the stereotype of the catchphrase of Apu walking. It was also in a store, right? A convenience store that that scene happened. And he walked out, you know, he's like, the universe will unfold as it should. And he saw the keys of the car and he like, he technically he's robbing them, right? It's not, it's not cool. But at the same time, it's like, you know, karma's a bitch, you know? And, and that idea of like, man, like, uh, thank you, come again. You know, that whole process was really political. It was a political moment for me. It was like the Gandhi taking the power back from the, from the British. It was everything in that one scene. It was everything that just, it made me feel good, you know? So, so I wanted to share that with the audience, but yeah, I, I hope a lot of people, you know, feel the same way that I feel that, that cinema can be an incredible metaphor for transformation in, in people and, and fighting, fighting empowerment in, in imagery. Interesting. Interesting. Let's, let's go on this as well. In your book, TBM, you speak specifically about your own experiences on this, right? And sub subconsciously, I was already doing this back in Suriname because I realized that I already have powerful role models in my environment that don't have to be Indian. And I can take from what I believe makes them powerful and add it to my own. And then, especially within the world of martial arts, your concentration and imagination when you're performing a kick, let's say, becomes that much more important. Back in the days of when I was really trying to carve out with blood, sweat, and tears my own identity as a martial artist, which had nothing to do with, you know, the Indian stereotypes, but more to do with the Indian culture. You know, culture before stereotypes made me realize if, if I have warriors or come from a warrior, merchant warrior background, then inevitably the blood flows through me. And if I have to prove myself through blood, sweat, and tears, then so shall it be. And then it became a recreation of what, who I thought I was to what I think an Indian warrior should be practicing or dancing his martial arts or playing his martial arts. And I remember a, a period of at least half a year where I completely fell in love with myself doing like hard workouts one hour in the morning, one hour when I got back home and my skills exploded all from the fantasy of what if it is true that I carry the blood of warriors, of, of great, great, great warriors? What if it was true? Would they look upon me in the same way I look upon myself? And the answer is absolutely not because it would be the same thing as having a grandfather who has accolades upon accolades of, of treasure and, 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 and wrestling matches and, and actual wars. And you see the scars on his body and yet he carries himself with dignity and pride. And then you being shy, he laughs at it to the point where 
he would laugh at it in the same situation where you're crying about spilled milk or your, you know, your ice cream falling on the ground. Like, brother, it's fine. If you really want to cry, do this hard workout and I'll see you in half a year. And with that fantasy in mind, I grew into my own idea of a renaissance man, which means I know how to defend myself, which was empowering to me and myself. Now, I'm not gonna say there's no positivity within stereotypes. I'm not gonna say it, we should stop stereotyping because stereotyping is what protects the tribe against the rest of the world. However, the argument we both are making, and I hope I got this right, is if something exists, might as well empower me, might as well heal me, might as well add to my character building. So for instance, now that we have a lot more, you know, I'm an IT guy, but I'm so different from the traditional IT guy even not being Indian, let's say, that people always assume I'm from sales or marketing. Because I'm, and I've heard this too many times, I'm so much a flower among thorns that it feels like I never belonged in IT to begin with. Which is funny because this is how you know, my business started of combining IT and business. Now, let's continue on from the idea of every character. And this is a thought that Kirkwood gave me. Every character or archetype is either shared between many archetypes and also evolves into something bigger. Hence, why ACD talked about the tribal leadership. We all have the leadership qualities. We should simply call upon it and act upon it. And I believe you had a coaching session that went something along those lines. Could you tell me more about it? Yeah, so I had one of the members of IMC, uh, Marcello, Marcello, okay. His name is uh, Marcello, I think it's Vitalo Bravo or something like that. So he's a very Italian name, right? And he has a Native American background right now. He is in California. And we were talking a lot about his character creation and how he can tap into his own genius zone, his own flow state, as all of my flow state activation sessions go. So basically, we were looking at his character of basically combining that Italian side as well as the, the Native American side together to create like this, this combination approach. And me and Ryan were talking a little bit before this about the idea of, you know, combining the godfather with the chief, uh, the chief of the tribe. And, you know, it's interesting because the, the three words that we chose for him, and this was from some discussion, everybody has certain words that get them into the flow state, right? And so when we can pinpoint those words and have them use those words or embody those words more daily, it starts to activate a sense of power within the individual. So his words were fortitude was one of them, tradition was one of them, and desire was one of them. Now, interestingly enough, the word desire is father, like godfather, and God being the spiritual side, right? And 
also, you know, this, he told me this idea of, you know, spirit animals as well. So we were talking about how he can find his spirit animal and he comes from the Chumash tribe. He hasn't done much research into it. So I told him, look up stuff about this tribe, bro. You know, look more into it because it's going to be very valuable. And he told me that, you know, some of these tribal members are said to reincarnate as a dolphin, like through the rainbow. <laughs> so that was, was just a beautiful imagery, you know, and as well as he had a poster in his background, which showed, you know, horses. And so, you know, exploring that idea of like horses uh, being like this wild, you know, natured uh, creature, but also being very regal and like uh, stallions are also said to be very, you know, standing on their two hooves and like moving forward and carrying the weight of somebody on their back. So, you know, that everything together, we, we started to formulate his character through that. And I think, you know, animals and characters in general are so interesting. I'm almost reminded of the imagery of like, for instance, a hyena can be seen as the Joker character in a sense, because they're both kind of, you know, embodying this laughter of course joker has this i think it's a physical uh, physical condition where he can't stop laughing or whatever but um in that same sense like he he uses that as a part of his character just like the hyena can't deny its own nature of laughter so it's almost like connecting with your own inner nature of what is inherent to you what is intrinsic to you what is traditional to you what is your origin point what is your heritage what is uh, your, your culture, you know, what is your lineage? So I think that's really valuable. That's really interesting. It's like you're saying, everything can be used to heal and empower you. And that directly links back to the inner child. Because when we first saw these stereotypes was when, when we were kids. And then I start to realize, you know, it is not that. I am wrong and that makes me invalid for thinking in such a way. It makes me more powerful because now I know what to do. And this is a very important stored lesson we can implement immediately. So when you look back at whatever stereotype we decided to use to empower us, only to later find, find out that this is not the way you can also immediately change within the here and now and say, from this point on, no longer shall I be ashamed of ABC. No longer shall I be ashamed of my sexuality. No longer shall I be ashamed of speaking out, speaking my mind. No longer shall I be of servitude simply to sacrifice myself. No, if I am to serve anything, it would be to serve the greater good so that I can do it for a profit to help my clients, to build a family. The Godfather wasn't great because he had the money. He was great because he was a man of character. He took all the positive, powerful, empowering, stereotype elements of what it means to be a man, a true man and refine it into a fine wine that is called the character of the Godfather. I think his, his name is Marlon Brando, right? Yeah, Marlon Brando is the actor. Yeah, Don Corleone, yeah. And it's a fantastic story on how a stray white cat crashed 
the studio and he jumped on his lap. And Marlon Brando asked the Godfather side to play with him. And animals are sharp. They see things that we, we simply cannot perceive. And they had to edit the purring of the cat out because the cat was absolutely in tune with Marlon Brando. In that time, and if I know anything about spirituality, it, it has to do with the moment you enter, let's say, the matrix, the, the, the flow zone, the whatever, you will attract entities that age you. It is in how you be, it's in how you become. What are your thoughts on that, Sumit? Very true, very true. When you're tapped in, man, you get all of these insights from animals. Uh, personally, I've been seeing these kites, these black kites in the hawk and eagle family here in India a lot. I know that that's one of my you know, spirit animals for sure just the, for the fact that I've been seeing them so frequently. And the other day, you know, I, it was a very trippy experience on, I saw these two little, um, I think they're called Myras. They look kind of like um, Robins. They're these little birds with yellow beaks. And they, I saw them like flying outside and you know how they say like two for joy or whatever. So I was like, oh, cool. But then in my, immediately when I saw them, I saw them like perched on my balcony, like in my, in my mind. And like 10 minutes passed and I noticed them perched on my balcony, like almost coming into to the, <laughs> the room. I was like, oh snap, like I just kind of used my foresight or I don't know if I teleported through time or was a freaking psychic or I don't know, know what I did in that moment, but I knew that something was drawing these birds to me. You know, and when that happened, I was like, whoa, this is so, so trippy. And I think it has to do with the fact that animals uh, are very tapped into the frequency of nature. So when we, we're not supposed to be these sedentary creatures, right? We are meant to be tapped into the flow. The flow is almost what gets us to create those quantum leaps in our character, right? It's what speeds up our, our growth process. When we're more in flow, it gets us to shortcut you know, our learning curve a lot. So when we're tapped in to the so-called beast process, the AZD beast process, you know, or at least if we're meditating or we're in a higher tune, a higher frequency, it just makes us a lot more tapped into this power of nature. And, you know, these animals, some say that animals are our ancestors, you know, coming to communicate with us. I believe the shamanic tribes and the Native American tribes have this understanding that there's something, you know, maybe they're a dead relative or something from our past lives or they're messengers or they are, in a way, they're there to remind us of something. They're there as messengers to remind us in this physical realm of something that's going on in the metaphysical realm. So I don't know how much I believe in that, but I love that perspective because it really reminds you that you're a bigger piece of the puzzle than you think. You know, we think we're these tiny people in the grand cosmos, grand scheme of things that don't matter. I think animals and symbols and signs and synchronicities, all of these things tell us that we do matter. We do matter a lot, actually. And I think that's, that's empowering to be able to you know, tap into that energy. I absolutely what are your agree. Thoughts, brother? I absolutely. What are your agree. thoughts on that, brother? 
my thoughts on that would definitely be, and by the way, I see your screen is kind of frozen. Um, what I believe, truly believe is we as a people can always become stronger and to take on the idea of being closer to nature through, you know, beasting out complete reminds me of the hardest physical exam I've ever done in my life. It had to do with preparing from uh, the blue taekwondo belt to the red taekwondo belt. Well, we had to do a physical test of endurance and technique before we even did, you know, the katas and pumseis. And after we were done, they took fresh fighters that did their warm up and they let us fight. And it wasn't like, you know, just lower belts. No, no. We had to earn the red belts because in my mind, it's simple as fire. And throughout going from blue to uh, red, it means to have an attitude of fierceness where uh, the ultimate form of water would be the ocean, being a vast force of nature. Fire means to become in my mind, my young 15-year-old mind was to become an absolute aggressive monster with the backing of the ocean, its power. And with that thought, I went in to prepare like months upon months, day in and day out to train for that. And I remember it was a very, very specific period that my dad decided to help me out. To, to get me a coach for my technique to get, and, and with his uh, a tube into Kankushikai karate and boxing, he taught me the fundamentals of rhythmic fighting. And with these two extra keys, I opened more doors. And through those doors, lava decided to, you know, get out because combined the flowiness of water and the heat of fire, you get lava. And I became an explosive in my opinion, an explosive pressure fighter. It would blitz in and blitz out continuously until, of course, I had to go for my red belt. I remember a very specific moment where I was tired. My muscles are burning, my lungs are on fire, but I had to do it. And I made one big mistake. I went in to punch with my left. The guy countered with a spinning back kick as a counter. I went full force into his heel with my solar plexus exposed. Boom, I went down. I felt the pain shot through my stomach and all my organs. And these wonderful <laughs> grandmasters and coaches decided to scream up, you have 10 minutes or you 10 seconds to get up or you're disqualified. Which means all the things that I have done was for naught. And I said, fuck that. And with every, and it's one of the proudest moments of my life, every piece of strength that I have, every, it took everything. I got up and I screamed my lungs out because I remember my dad saying, if you're ever in pain, breathe in deep and fucking scream your fucking lungs out and see if you're still in pain. And I did it. Well, I did still feel pain. Don't get me wrong. That was a perfectly timed counter. But I did two things. One, I had new air in my lungs. 
when you have at least another 30 seconds of energy to go. Two, I freaked out everybody, including my opponent. Now I didn't win because this guy is like leagues above me, but it made an impression that no one forgot. And I might go down, but I'll get up again. And I'll keep getting up again because I don't give a shit anymore. And it's funny how that relates to a spirit animal that I'm evoking. In this case, it would be the honey badger because it's literally opposite to what I perceive I am. It is exploring this, you know, don't fuck with crazy archetype because you will, you know, die. And then combining it to what is my original archetype, which has a lot to do with, you know, the calmness, the elegance of, let's say, a crocodile, a Komodo dragon, hell, even a, a house cat. It is that smooth elegance that is completely polar opposite to what is arguably the most badass badger. You know, this 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 metal ass badger that just fucks with lions. Like, oh, you have a kingdom. Guess what, motherfucker? Your money is mine. And there's nothing you can do about it. And going through that process also made me realize it's the same process of exploring the stereotype that is, you know, the Indian man. And using both the positive and negative to strengthen you because positives are obvious. You know, we have great hair. Fuck it. I have great hair. It can easily go hair anywhere. The negative side, of course, is, is a shit amount of maintenance. Sumit can attest to that, I believe. But on the polar opposite side, the negative, the shyness. Another way of looking at shyness is I've decided to not speak with words. I can also decide to speak with body, meaning there's a time and a place to speak. And I can be shy in my body language as well. But what if I decide to not speak and just go, you have said something and I don't agree with it and I know you won't listen. So why not let you do your saying, let you talk your talk. But I've decided to walk the walk. It's body before any word you say. And maybe I will be perceived as arrogant. But the opposite of shyness, meaning to retract, you know, to talk inwards, could also be replaced with, I've decided it's not worth my time. From the bigger perspective, is the whole idea of the surrender experiment versus the assertive experiment. If I decide in the here now, whether it's worth my time to surrender to the situation because there's nothing I can do or be assertive because it calls for it. But it will not retract because I'm intimidated. Let's say there's a bigger opponent on the mats. Am I intimidated? Absolutely. My body recognizes danger because it's innate even if you're not a martial artist. But do I know 
that if I put myself through it, that this might be one of the best learning moments in my life, that the situation changes because a shy attack is not effective. However, to become cold, calculated, and use the powers that you have is that's much more powerful and innate. And the shyness is nothing more than emotion. If you truly listen to what uh, I believe ACD said last night, for me at night, for you morning, I believe, where he went on about any energy is good energy if you know how to use it. I think he went along those lines because it is in you know, being anxious. It is in being angry. It's in being emotional. You start to realize that it's simply you awakening, evoking the hidden that's within. So it's the same thing as doing your walkout. Every time I would do my walkout, I would feel such bloodlust. And was the biggest challenge on using that bloodlust before the fight would begin. I could just feel myself salivating for the fight. Like a mad bulldog is going, I can't wait. And I would always lose when I gave in to the bloodlust. <laughs> just a part and it just completely breaks uh, my rhythm. We're already at 45 minutes mark. <clears throat> but to end it on a, a good point. The more I start to use the bloodlust and see it as simply energy that I need to channel. In the same way you can channel the negative stereotypes any positive way, because the situation calls for it. In the same way that you will learn to empower yourself and use everything to both empower you, make you grow and heal you. So let's do a last five minutes and then we'll end. Awesome, man. I, I love what you said there about, you know, again, it comes back to the idea of using your own nature, right? Not denying what is, you know, inherent and true and your natural instinct is telling you. And, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's acting in spite of it, but also recognizing there's something greater than fear out there as a possibility. And so being able to rise in your state of consciousness, right? So from your level of awareness that you experience what you're experiencing uh, lets you either reject it and you know resist it or use it in some way accept it and just roll with the punches to be able to you know utilize it in some way and i think it's empowering to you know state what you said with the knowledge that spirit animals are there to heal us right they're there to heal us and so a lot of the times we get spirit animals or guides based on uh, the traumas that we had as children or the traumas that we had growing up. Uh, personally, I had a drowning incident when I was very young in kindergarten, um, which made me very afraid of water. But look at me now, motherfuckers, like I'm a flow state coach. You know, water is a big part of my life as a metaphor. And, uh, you know, my earlier, uh, you know, Instagram name was that splash life as well. So, you know, it, it's just, using that like batman was scared of bats he became the batman you know it's like that whole idea of just becoming that thing that you're afraid of and you know uh, i talked to a shaman once and she told me that the dolphin was my totem animal and the dolphin uses sounds and frequencies and i make sounds and frequencies so i was like 
you know what, that's really cool. And I looked it up and I saw that eight Hertz was the flow state frequency and dolphins speak in eight Hertz. That's their sonar language. And so when I started to learn these things, man, I started to get so empowered. And so anybody has a chance to do this. You can look up what your spirit animal is, do your own research into your own heritage, your own spirit animals, and really start to learn more about yourself. This is all about self realization and self-knowledge and the more we can delve deeper into ourselves the more we can delve deeper into the cosmic oneness of everything that there is that singularity that connects us all so i know this was a very deep profound podcast uh, if you listen this far check out genius days which is on tomorrow and have an amazing day guys any last words ryan my last words is get in contact with the scripts similarity from the flow zone academy if you want to know more about what your spirit animal is and how to use this in the most practical manner he is the expert in these things and if you want to know anything about business and business insights and how to improve it my name is ryan g from strategic aligned <laughs> aligned data strategy god damn is this a mouthful i just call it ads and may your life never be the same. Good night.